on Acts chapter number 23, and I want to start reading in verse number 6. Acts chapter 23 and verse number 6. The Bible says, But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am called in question. And when he had had, uh, so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. But the Pharisees confessed both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man. But if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. Verse 11, And the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. And I want to call your attention back to verse number 11, the last verse that we read. And I want you to underline that phrase, what Jesus said to Paul that night while he's in custody. Jesus told Paul, the Lord, or he said, be of good cheer. But I want you to notice what the Bible says about it. It says that the Lord stood by him. And I want to preach on that thought just for a minute tonight. The Lord stood by him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I ask you, God, to help me tonight. Lord, I I didn't necessarily come to preach. Lord, I've come to do whatever you want me to do. So, Father, here I am. I pray that you touch me. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Brother Gravely. Lord, his family. God, I pray that you'd continue to bless them. Lord, during this meeting, Lord, however long it goes, whatever you, whatever your will is for what's going on around here, God, we just want you to get the glory for it. God, we want you to do the work. Lord, encourage your people tonight. Get all the honor and glory unto yourself. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As we pick up our reading tonight, we find Paul is in protective custody. Really, it's really for his protection more than anything else. If you were to look at the previous chapter, you were, you would find that uh, Paul is under threat. His life is being threatened by the Jewish council. He has done nothing wrong. He has uh, not uh, upset anything other than he has preached the gospel and there have been some Ephesian Jews that have followed him into Jerusalem, stirring up riots once again in chapter 22. They move him to Caesarea at the end of chapter number 22 for his own protection. And we find here that even now this council is ready to tear him in pieces because Paul poses a great threat to their religious hierarchy. It's amazing how people get real upset when you begin to threaten their money or their position or uh, their power that they think they have. And this is the third time Paul tries to address this account, this council. And knowing that he cannot change their minds, he, he employs a strategy that I find both sincere and I find it smart. Uh, it is sincere because all of Christianity rests on the truth of the resurrection. And that's exactly what he says uh, at the end of verse number 6. He said, uh, "He said, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee of the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am called in question. He brings up this doctrine of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, always, I will say that it is sincere why Paul brings this up because all of our hope rests on that doctrine right there. If Jesus is not alive tonight, then what? 
what in the world are we doing here? Amen. If Jesus did not rise, then our faith is in vain. We are yet in our sins. We are doomed and damned to an eternity in the lake of fire. But I'm glad to report to you tonight that Jesus is alive. Amen. He got up on the third day just like he said that he would. He's alive and well. He's seated at the right hand of God tonight. He's making intercession. In fact, that's why he's living tonight. He ever liveth to make intercession for you and for me. And so when Paul brought up this doctrine of the resurrection, he did so because that's the only hope that anybody has in this world to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and thou shalt be saved. But it was also a smart strategy. It was also something that uh, was very uh, well, very wise on, on, on Saul's part. And I would see here that Saul is uh, he's, uh, harmless as a dove, but he's wise as a serpent because he knows in this Sanhedrin council there's a divided group. You have the Sadducees and you have the Pharisees. The Sadducees, as verse number 8 tells us, they don't believe in a resurrection. They, did not, they denied anything that, that pertained to the eternal, the spiritual realm, and especially a resurrection of the dead, this notion of life after death. And Paul knew bringing up this one doctrine would divide the group amongst uh, itself and amongst themselves. And so Paul shrewdly brings uh, this thing up. In fact, listen, you can't get saved unless you believe in the resurrection that Jesus got up from the grave. No doubt about that. In fact, I don't know, maybe you can help me with this, but I've searched my Bible. I can't find anywhere where it specifically says that a Sadducee got saved. A lot of Pharisees got saved, but as far as I know, and maybe some of you help me, don't do it right now while I'm preaching, but maybe while Brother Barnes is preaching, you come to me and help me out, all right? I don't know about any Sadducees getting saved. Paul was a Pharisee and he got saved. You deny the resurrection and you doom your soul to hell. Amen. And i tell you what, I'm glad Jesus got up. And all of our hope, all of our faith, it rests on that one truth right there that Jesus is alive and he is alive and well. And when these scribe part of the Pharisees, when they began to bend a little bit, the whole group erupted to the point that the chief captain in verse number 10 had to step in because he thought they were going to tear him in pieces. That chief captain uh, takes him back to, uh, the, uh, back to the castle there, that Fort Anthony that's right there next to the temple in Jerusalem. He takes him back to uh, the castle for his own protection. And we see Paul as he's sitting there Maybe in a dark place, maybe in an isolated place, all by himself. Or was he all by himself? Because the Bible says in verse number 11 that that night that the Lord stood with him. And I just want to say this tonight, that there is absolutely nothing like the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I thank God for some men of God in my life that have comforted me and consoled me. There's some people, I got a church full of people back home that love their preacher. And man, they, they encourage me when I'm down. Some of them pick up on it. Man, and they comfort me. I got a wife at home and children. And man, there's such a blessing in my life and such an encouragement in my life. But can I tell you, there is nothing like the presence of the Lord. There's nothing like when Jesus himself stops by. And I'm glad, listen, and he even said Paul's name. He said, and, and said, be of good cheer, Paul. I'm glad Jesus knows my name. Amen. I'm glad he knows my address. I'm glad he knows where I'm, he knows where you're at tonight. Some of you might think that Jesus done forgot about you and forgot where you are and forgot who you are. But can I tell you, oh, contraire, mon frere. Amen. He knows right where you is tonight. And I'm glad for them times. And I can't explain it. And I don't understand it. But I sure can feel it. Amen. And I can take you to some places when the company 
comforter has put his arms around me. And when nobody else seemed like would stand with and nobody else was there, I'm glad the Lord has stood by me. Let me give you just a few things about the Lord standing by Paul. When God came and when Jesus came and stood by his man, what exactly was going on? Number one, let me say this, that it was approval for his message. It was approval for his message. Now, I don't know if Paul needed uh, any assurance in this arena or not. I'm not sure if this is what Paul needed the most, but it is something that we all need to be reassured of as time at times, and that is the message that we are preaching is right. Listen, Paul preached the death. He preached the burial. He preached the resurrection. People mocked him. People ridiculed him. People thought he was crazy because he believed Jesus got up from the grave and then appeared to him on the road to Damascus. People thought, man, he threw away a great career. Paul threw away a great life. Man, how in the world, Paul, could you even do it? Man, you had a great path. You were, all, you were going places, Paul. You were moving up the ladder. And then what happened on that Damascus road? People thought he was crazy. How somebody could be going this direction and and then after one encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, make a 180 and go a totally different direction. And, uh, and I'm sure they thought what he was preaching and what he believed was absolutely crazy. But listen, that night Jesus himself stood by Paul. And when he did, Jesus was saying, I am the Lord Jesus Christ and I approve this message. Amen. He said, I believe, and listen, I am for everything that you're saying. Listen, everything that you've been preaching, he's saying, Paul, you keep preaching the death, you keep preaching the burial, you keep pre preaching the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I believe Paul was very sure that he was right, but don't you, and I believe we're right tonight, amen. I'm glad I'm in a Baptist church. I'm glad I got a King James Bible. Listen, if I thought there was something else right, I'd quit here and go join up with them tomorrow. Amen. I believe we got it gun barrel straight. But I do thank God for them times. He comes by and reminds me that it don't matter how much they mock and how much they laugh and how much they disbelieve and how much they shake, how many times they shake their heads and walk out. Don't matter what this world says and what they believe about what we're believing. Listen, Jesus approves our message. Yeah, man, and I believe we're right. I believe we got it right on salvation. Amen. I believe we got it right on the scriptures. Amen. I believe we got it right on separation and sanctification. Hallelujah. I believe we got it right. But this world thinks we're crazy. They do. You know that, right? If you're trying to fit in with the world, you're trying to fit in with the wrong crowd. Because they think we are absolutely crazy. But listen, I'm glad, and it sure is good to have the Lord Jesus Christ Himself stand by you and remind you that He approves of your message. Amen. And that's what this world is looking for, aren't they? They're looking for approval. That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to know that what they believe and what they stand for is right. And they find it Sometimes maybe an illusion of it and they feel good about themselves. And other times they're scrambling around for it trying to figure out whether they're right or not. This world, listen, let me tell you how unsure and how, 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 uh, how unsure they are about what they believe is right. They change it every 18 months. Things that were wrong back then are okay now. Things that were okay back then are wrong now. It seems like every other day there's some kind of word or something that's offensive now that wasn't back then. I literally saw something today. Uh, some, this was actually serious. Something PETA, PETA put out on the internet about how we ought not to call people by animal names because it's speciest. Speciesist. 
You call somebody a chicken, you're going to offend chickens. I'm going to tell you something. I've been offending chickens for a long time. And I enjoy it. Amen. You can't call them a chicken. You've got to call them a coward. Don't call somebody a pig. <laughs> That's offensive to pigs. Amen. What in the world? I'm thinking, what in the world? These people are drop dead serious. And what's next? It don't ever stop. I mean, this thing, this crazy train is just rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and picking up just as many people as they possibly can. They got all of Hollywood and they got most of D.C. And they got a lot of church folk, too. They're looking for approval. They're searching. They're groping around in the darkness, just trying somebody to find somebody and something that'll pat them on the back and say, you're right, and everything's going to be okay. And, and insecurity plagues our, our entertainment industry and politics and, and marriages and our workplaces and even, even our churches. And social media is just the gas that's fueled on all of it. That's why we put pictures of our family. We want, it, we want you to approve of how beautiful our family is. Listen, if I put a picture of my kid on Facebook, you better like it. I need that. That makes me feel good. If I put something on there, you better like it and love it and heart it and everything. And, and we're just looking for, so we're looking for approval. we got to find it somewhere. And listen, I'm telling you, you can, it don't matter what you believe. You can believe some of the craziest things in this world. You can find about 50 buzzards that will agree with you. Amen. And I tell you, that's what carnal people do when they begin to rebel. They all they got to find approval somewhere. They got to find it somewhere. Listen, you can put something on. I don't. So that church is just so judgmental. That preacher, he's a legalist. They're just so strict around there. And you can find about fifty buzzards that'll agree with every word. Yeah, you're exactly right, man. I wouldn't go there if I were you, man. They're just a bunch of they're a bunch of this, bunch of that. And you know why people do that? It's because they need approval. They need validation that what they're doing is right. But can I tell you, and hear me tonight, and you hear me real good, you can have all of Rossville and all of Chattanooga pat you on the back and believe what you're doing is right, but if the Lord ain't standing with you, you ain't got anything, friend. Yeah, man, listen, I want to remind you that there is only one person's approval that means anything that matters in this world. You ought to be concerned about an audience of one tonight, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you can have them pat you on your back. This world will applaud you and approve of you and pat you on the back all the way to hell. They'll pat you on the back all the You can have the entertainment industry's approval and you can be politically correct and they will love you and approve you and award you and, and, and applaud you all the way to a Christless hell. There's only one person's approval that means anything. It don't matter if the whole world thinks you're wonderful. You ain't going to stand before them one day. You're going to stand before one. And you better, hey, you better, you better make sure you got his approval. You ain't going to be standing for them but the judgment seat of Christ. Listen, hey, you can have this world. Hey, give me Jesus. You know, Paul, he turned his back on that world a long time ago. He said, I don't care. Hey, he said, I don't care what they, I don't care what they, I don't care who goes with me. I don't care if Demas wants to love this world and forsake me. I don't care. As long as he had the approval of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the only thing that meant anything to him. And that's the only thing, by the way, you can have everybody approving of everything that you do, but if you don't have his, you're going to be empty on the inside. It don't last and it don't, it don't satisfy but when the Lord stands by you. Oh, man, that'll keep you sane in a crazy world. 
That'll keep you safe in a dangerous world. You can have this world, friend, if you want it. Man, there, I mean, it's going to hell in a handbasket. Listen, it's so dirty and nasty and filthy. You can have it all if you want to. I'll take Jesus. Amen. When Jesus stood next to Paul that night, it was approval for his message. Number two, it was assistance for his mind. Notice what Jesus said when he got there. The Lord stood by him and said, here it is, be of good cheer. Notice the first thing that Jesus said when he spoke to Paul. He said, be of good cheer. Now, that's one way we know it's Jesus because Jesus has said that before. In fact, you'll find it three times in the Gospels where Jesus said, be of good cheer. He said it to that man that was brought to him sick of the palsy. He said, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And then there was a boat full of scared, frightened disciples on that stormy sea. They thought it was a ghost walking by, but it was the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember what he said? He said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Well, he had a room full of worried, anxious disciples and Jesus was preparing them uh, for, uh, for his crucifixion and his departure and all these things that were going to take place. And, and he told them, he was warning them, he said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. You know what that literally means? It means to take courage. Jesus is saying, take courage. Now, I'm not exactly sure of Paul's state of mind here when he was sitting in this castle. I don't know. We don't know a lot about, you know, if Paul struggled with discouragement or depression. He doesn't really let us in on, on those kind of things. Paul is always one that has joy and he's always cheerfully uh, uh, representing Jesus no matter his circumstances and no matter what is going on. But I will say this, that in every instance in the Gospels that Jesus ever came and told somebody to be of good cheer, they were scared to death. So I'm wondering that even if the great Super, spiritual, wonderful. Apostle Paul was sitting in that castle and he was struggling with a little bit of discouragement. He said, I don't know about that. Well, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? I mean, if, if, if we can just look back at the things that Paul has been going through, he really felt like he was following God's will and going to Jerusalem. In fact, if you'll go back, we're not going to take time to do that, but if you go back at chapter, uh, I believe it's chapter number 20, I believe it is, he's got his mind made up to go to Jerusalem. Everybody told him not to go. Everybody did. His disciples said, every town he went to on his way to Jerusalem, they said, don't go, don't go, don't go. And then even, even there in Caesarea there at Philip, uh, Philip the evangelist and his daughters and all that were there, and a prophet comes from uh, from Jerusalem. Was it Agabus that comes and he takes Paul's belt and he binds his hand. I mean, it had like a little skit, like a little Christmas play. And the Christmas play was called Paul, Don't Go to Jerusalem. And they, they bind his hands and, 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 they, and, 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 and Agabus says, listen, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. Don't go. Everybody tells them not to go. I'm just wondering, when Paul's sitting in that castle, like bound up, you know, <laughs> in Jerusalem, I wonder if he's thinking, maybe I missed it. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever thought, man, I thought I was following God's will. 
I thought I was doing what's right. And don't you, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, maybe a comic or, or a cartoon or something where, you know, little people's heads start popping up all around and you can hear them telling you the thing, like I told you so, you know, pop up over here. Maybe a little Agabus popped up over here and his disciple friends popped up over here and everybody told you not to go, don't go. And he's sitting there and he's second guessing and he's wondering, maybe. He's discouraged. He was trying to just show some good faith when he got to Jerusalem. They roped him into doing this purification thing in the temple and helping these people out. And he was just, and then when he got there, he was, he was really being a good Jerusalem citizen. He wasn't doing that. And they started a riot there. He was the object of hatred and rioting and a murderous plot by the Jews. He almost had his life taken by the Romans with a scourging if he wouldn't have exercised his rights as a Roman citizen. He's sitting all alone. He's locked away in protective custody. Discouraged. He's doubting, depressed, afraid. And guess what happens? The Lord shows up. I'll tell you, your mind can play some pretty mean tricks on you. You know, your mind's where the battle is. Your mind can play some pretty mean tricks on you sometimes. I don't know about you, but this pandemic, we're all sitting around in the house. We've got a lot of time to think. That's not always a good thing. Mind God's will. Am I doing right? What are we going to do? I don't know what, I don't know what we're going to do. What are we supposed to And And your mind begins to play some pretty mean tricks on you. But I'm glad for them times when Jesus has come by. Did a little discouraged, maybe, maybe get a little poochy lip just a little bit. I know y'all don't do that, but sometimes I do. I can throw the best pity parties you've ever been to. They're not they're pity parties, is what they are. I mean, they're just great. Thinking I, you know, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. I'm gonna go eat a can of worms and just all discouraged. But that's when Jesus shows up. Be of good cheer. Hey, and when he says be of good cheer, you can't help but cheer up. Every time he says it in the Bible, something good happens. Every single time. When it, every time Jesus told somebody to be of good cheer, they had to cheer up. And can I tell you, I like, listen, I've had my wife will tell me to cheer up. Somebody at church tell me to cheer up. But there ain't nothing like having Jesus come by because he's got something to back it up with. Amen. I'm glad when Jesus comes by and helps me think straight in the dark times. Well, when Jesus showed up and stood by Paul, it was approval for his message. It was assistance for his mind. And it was assurance for his ministry. Assurance for his ministry. Notice the last thing of verse number 11, and I'm done. He said, For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Jesus had a message for Paul that night. The message was this. It's going to be okay. You're going to make it to Rome. Now, there was, you can read the rest of chapter 23, you'll find there was these Jews that bound themselves under a curse. They're not going to eat, they're not going to drink until they kill Paul. But can I tell you something? I don't remember who said this, but I read this quote just the other day. It said, God's man doing God's will is invincible until God's done with him. He's immortal. He's invincible. You cannot touch him. I'm going to tell you what I, don't care what. I don't care what plot of hell and scheme of man is being launched against us until God gives the green light. 
Listen, the church, we ain't going down, we're going up. Amen. Hey, listen, it, 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 ain't, it ain't going down. It's going up, my friend. God is the one that's standing by us. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? Jesus was telling Paul that everything is going to be okay. Or, Paul's thinking, am I in God's will? And Jesus says, yes, you are in my will. Paul, am I going to survive in Jerusalem? And Jesus is saying, yes, you are going to survive in Jerusalem. Paul's thinking, is God going to keep using me? Is he done? Have I messed up? Am I, am, am, have I just made a, a bad mistake here? And Jesus said, no, you bore witness to me in Jerusalem, and I got some more work for you to do when you get to Rome. You, that's why it didn't matter if he was on a shipwreck or he got bit by some snake. It don't matter what was going on. Paul had a smile on his face because he knew there wasn't nothing happening to him until he got to Rome. And can I tell you, I ain't headed to Rome, but I am headed to home. And I'm telling you what, listen, this world can fight and they can fuss and they can cuss and they can kick, but ain't nothing happening to me until I get home, baby. Thank the Lord. If God be for us, who? can be against. What assurance that is. When you're in God's will, there's great assurance when the Lord is standing by you. Now listen, God ain't promised us an easy journey. So quit thinking, quit being shocked every time there's a bump in the road. But God has promised us a safe landing and a safe arrival. And I'm thankful for that tonight. Isn't it wonderful to have the Lord stand Father, we love you. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for allowing us to be in church tonight. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd use these, these words, these few thoughts, and God, use them to be an encouragement to your people during these days of revival. And Lord, I pray, Father, that, uh, Lord, we would put more value on your approval and your assurance and your assistance than anybody else's in this world. Lord, help us to seek yours and nothing else. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'd give encouragement to those that might be in Doubter's Castle tonight. Lord, may you stand by them and stand with them and encourage them during these days. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.